0: So I left the organization because I didn't have a panda.
1: Hello, this is Ruben Ortiz and welcome to Nobody Asked Us to Do This, the next Jehovah's Witness podcast. The biggest lesson I have learned from working and helping the Ex-Jehovah's Witness community for the last 15 years is the following. Validation is a huge part of healing. Knowing you're not alone is powerful. For this podcast, we want to have conversations with former members that we usually don't hear from, as well as those you may know. The more variety, the more people we can reach with this message. We want to be able to have a podcast that's informative, insightful, and entertaining. And one that shows there can be a good life after leaving a high control group. This week, we discuss growing up a Jehovah's Witness. For this topic, I have invited Joe Mitchell to a chat. Joe is a former Jehovah's Witness who partnered with me to get this podcast started, and he's also one of my best friends. Joe, how have you been, man?
0: I'm doing good, man. It's a lot of craziness going on in the world, but hanging in there, what about yourself?
1: I'm doing really good, feeling good today.
0: That's good, man. I yep. heard the test results came back good, man. Congratulations. Yes, yes. I
1: made so, smile. Th- thank you. For those who don't know, uh, my doctor ordered a corona test on me, and I just announced yesterday that I came back negative. I was pretty happy. I'm relieved. I'm not happy that this is happening, but I'm relieved.
0: I can imagine, man. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely, man. So, today's topic, growing up a Jehovah's Witness, I'd like to start with, the first question for you, Joe, how did you become a Jehovah's Witness?
0: Uh, I was born and raised as a Jehovah's Witness. My parents were a Jehovah's Witness, so that's how I became one. I, I didn't have a choice. What about yourself?
1: I was not born in it, but you could say that I grew up in it. I was six years old. One girl preached to my two sisters that were in high school at the time. Her parents came and preached to my mother, and my mother started studying with them. My mom sat me down. And was like, you're going to sit with me during these Bible studies. And then I was like, Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. But see, that's how my
0: parents, my mom was in the, well, I keep, oh, it's funny. I still call it the truth. But my mom was in as a Jehovah's Witness first. And she convinced my dad to become one. And that's actually how they started dating. Wow. So if it wasn't for my mom, my dad wouldn't have become the outstanding Jehovah's Witness that he is today. <laughs> so, since you came in at, you said you came in at five. So, for you, what was your earliest impactful moment, like related to being a Jehovah's Witness? One
1: day, um, my mom caught me by myself. I was a kid kneeling at the window, and I was basically begging Jehovah to take the asthma away from me. That was really one of the uh, first impactful memories I had related to the Jehovah's Witnesses. How about you, man?
0: Yeah, for me, it was my first talk. See, this was back in a day when people actually showed up to the hall. So for like a theocratic ministry school, you'd have about like 100 people there. And I was five years old when I gave my first talk. And my first talk, I'll never forget, it was from Psalms. It was a Bible reading. It was Psalms 83, 1 through 18. That was the day when you had to come up with an introduction, read the scriptures, and then a conclusion. I, I, that's when Psalms eighty three eighteen became my favorite scripture because that's the one that was like, you who are Jehovah, you are the most high, your name is Jehovah. So I gave that talk and it was on the first school and everybody started clapping. And I just remembered, like I had no fear after that for speaking in public because it's just at five years old, I'm in, on a stage with like a hundred people in the audience. And because you're five years old, everybody went to the first talk, uh, went to the first school. Mm-hmm. So I, I just always remember that. And ever since then, like it, became real to me like it became real to me at five just because of that love that I saw there you know you know being a Jehovah's Witness and going to you know public school it was bad because you know you didn't celebrate Christmas you didn't celebrate birthday so at five years old in kindergarten I was the weird kid because mm. you know I didn't stand up for the, the the national anthem so I was different from five so to go from there and then I remember being in, in kindergarten like studying and reading. The Bible, because I had to read Psalms eighty-three, eighteen. So, on my spare time, I got this Bible in kindergarten, just reading Psalms 183, one, eighty-three, one to eighteen, back and forth, back and forth. All the other kids are playing, but I'm reading the Bible at five years old.
1: Dang, man, you were that kid, bro. I
0: was that <laughs> kid, man. You know why
1: I took the Bible to to school one time to explain to the teacher why I didn't celebrate the flag? I was like Deuteronomy, okay, you cannot worship the sun and the stars. You know, I think it's Deuteronomy twenty-four and five or something like that. I was carrying the bible school and like, like reciting how i'm gonna explain why i don't salute so the flag i remember that shit but yeah, five was, years old man i, I wasn't giving no, public talks hey, at no, that time hey,
0: man i was the weird kid that like when you'd have like you'd have like a book report and i'd have a book report on why halloween was demonic <laughs> 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 uh,
1: <laughs> uh, 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 teacher um It's demonic because it's the devil. Yeah. It comes from. You probably were stating facts like in Encyclopedia Britannica. Do
0: you understand? Like uh... the the history of it comes from, you know, (laughs) the teachers hated me, you know, like the teachers hated me.
1: Oh, God. I would have been like, get this. Get this
0: (laughs) motherfucker out of my face.
1: You know what, though? I remember a lot of the reactions were mostly like, oh, he's so. Oh, he's so cute. You know what I mean? Like, even though you were jibber jabbering, if you were a cute kid, I don't but know, see, were, were you a cute kid? <laughs>
0: no, I, I, you know, I had homemade haircuts. It's uh, tough, you gotta think about it, man. It's from Baltimore City. So, in Baltimore City, in the inner city, mind, it was like either you're a part of the culture or you're not, even if you were a kid. So, the right. teachers wanted to be cool. So, the teachers like did things for the cool kids. It was it was a popularity contest even with teachers. So if you were one of the popular kids, I would I'll remember that, like going all the way into high school. Like if you were one of the popular kids in Baltimore City, you got treated differently. And then if you're a Jehovah's Witness, you were a pariah. Like you were you were different. Mm. So yeah, it it definitely
1: That's that's interesting. Fun. That's interesting. I think I was treated differently too, but not as differently as probably you were. My mom was a witness, and and my father wasn't a witness, even though he didn't live with us. I was able to like teeter totter a little bit more than other people, and it wasn't as stringent uh, the household. But I did believe in it, and my mom believed in it too at the time. Well, I mean, she yeah. still does. So speaking about you being kid and being that kid that got the homemade haircuts and going to school <laughs> and. Preaching to your to your to your teacher and book reporting Watchtower articles. Okay, what what at what age did you end up getting baptized?
0: Um, I got baptized at twelve. Um, at I was 12. twelve years old, yes. Damn. I was twelve years old, and <laughs> I believed, but I always wanted to wait because I never wanted to get this fellowship. As a kid, you knew being this fellowship was a scary thing. So I got baptized at twelve. So what my father. Told me was at 12 years old, if you don't get baptized, understand when you turn 18, you know, we're putting you out the house. At 12 years old, you're not thinking that, okay, at 18, I can make my own decision and go from there. But no, like, I was, all I heard was, if you don't get baptized, you're going to get put out the house at 12. So you get scared. And I was like, well, let me hurry up and get baptized. And that's, I ended up getting baptized. I mean, plus, you know, when I got baptized, I saw the other kids in the congregation that were younger than me carrying the mics. They got, the, they got to do the fourth talk, and I wanted to do a fourth talk so bad, but you had to be baptized. It was kind of a gift and a curse, but when I was 12, I wanted to wait a little bit.
1: I got baptized at 16. That's not when I wanted to get baptized. Around age 14, I had a dream. This cloud that was going around, destroying people based on if they were a Jehovah's Witness or not. The cloud got to me, and the cloud was like, you are not baptized. You are not a Jehovah's Witness. I was like, holy moly, I got to get baptized. I went to my mom and I was like, I want to get baptized. And my mom was like, no, I think you're too young. And this is way different than what I was seeing around me. But my mom was like, I want you to be able to say that you knew what you were doing. She basically told the elders, no, I had to wait till, you know, my mom was okay with it
0: but see i look at it now man it was a competition in my congregation like parents use their kids to compete like it would be like well you know my daughter's baptized and you know my daughter was on the assembly and blah 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 and it was like you couldn't be on the assembly like after i got baptized because i was pretty good at giving talks yeah then i started they started putting me on assembly i was actually on the assembly when i got baptized Ah. Um, And it was like, after that, you know, I started giving talks on the assembly band. That was a joy because I I actually liked doing that stuff. I liked doing the research and then getting on stage and acting like I knew what I was talking about. And at the end of the day, it was all bullshit. (laughs) Uh,
1: That's interesting. Yeah, after I got baptized, they were like giving me privileges. I started doing prayers at the meetings. I got to read the Watchtower on Sundays. And then basically when I was 20 years old, on my birthday... (laughs) <laughs> uh it was a coincidence but on my birthday they, it was m- a meeting day and they called me and they're like we're gonna make you a servant and i was like what oh, wow. <laughs> and i kind of i was like me and they were like yes yeah, you and i'm like oh okay yeah I accept the privilege so i became a servant at 20 but yes after after 16 years old you you know in and, and you being a penis-carrying man inside the congregation that gave you, like, a ticket yeah. to
0: to go up the ladder. Yeah, man. That penis gave you a lot more opportunity.
1: <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> Which is not saying that that's a good thing. It's a bad thing. It's a very bad thing. But that's how it worked. You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what I laugh at, man? What? Because people talk about privilege. And it's okay to realize, like, it was a privilege. It was a privilege to be a man. As a jehovah's witness than to be a woman like it that's just in life i realized that when i left that you know i discount privilege before but then i realized like my male privilege has given me a lot of opportunities i mean mm-hmm. yeah it's not the best but it is what it is like i do say sometimes thank god i had a penis because if i didn't man it i, I can't imagine
1: well, I mean, we we hear experiences all the time yeah. from people that, that weren't males, and it's not fun. I mean, it's not fun. And who said, and you know, even for guys too, but like, a privilege is just a word. It doesn't mean it's a good or a bad thing. And, and, and depending on the connotation, you know, it could be a good thing. And in this connotation, I mean, at the time, it was good for us, but it was not good for other people. Um, so, did you
0: ever have any doubts, though, like growing up, like why you were in it?
1: Yes. Yeah, man, I had doubts all the time. Not all the whole time. Just moments. When they changed the generation definition and I believe in in the in the 90s when they said that means people living contemporaneously with oh, that that generation doesn't mean like a 100-year generation or 80-year generation. I had already thought about that. I would tell my friends, I'm like, you know, that generation thing, like they have to change that pretty soon because they need to have new light because times are ticking. And I would say that and then things would change and they would have to change it. Those little moments stuck with
0: me. How about you, man? Me, honestly, no. Um, I really knew, like, all the mistakes that they made, I figured it was because it was a man-made organization. It was a man-made organization as close to God as possible. That's what I believe. So the mistakes that I felt that they made wasn't because of God. I felt it was because of the organization was trying their best as men, and men are going to be imperfect. So, I didn't have any doubts. Like, I didn't. Like, I, there were some of, you know, some of the doctrines I was like, you know, a little bit far fetched. Like, I I knew that they were always wrong on the beer thing, that that didn't make sense to me. Even with the, you know, back when you said back in the 90s, like, what was it, 96, 97, when they changed the new light? Even then, I, they never ever said that 100 years in the world would end from 1914. It was kind of like a guess. Well, no, 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 no. What I'm saying is, and, and, you're right. They did
1: do that. I mean, before while, said, while you were in it, like they, while they you were like, yeah, they while were, you were in it.
0: If you notice one thing about them, because they, they changed really that too.
1: That first they were like it's a hundred years, and then they were like, oh no, it's like a lifetime, and then you know yeah. they changed it several times. So they I get what you're saying. It.
0: But like yeah. at the same time, they were really good at being politicians with it. Like, well, what we actually said was, and because my father explained it to me in a way. Well, they never actually said that a hundred years. The way they said it was that it was possible. And they would use words like that so that you doubt yourself when you did start doubting.
1: It's called, it's called a qualifier and they qualified yeah. everything, everything. everything, everything.
0: Like it's everything like, it's possible
1: that the end, possible
0: that, it's possible. Know, and,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, so,
0: yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I just, I mean, I had faith in them, man. Like I really thought the governing body was chosen by God. Like I thought 144,000, you know, when we had people in our hall that would eat a, The bread that was like fascinating, like oh my god, he's going to heaven. Like I believe that. It wasn't until I became an adult and when I started actually doing research that I'm like, I was embarrassed. Like how am I a grown man believing this? (laughs) 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 I mean, for me, you know, why I left. Well,
1: uh, let's let's get to that question. Why did uh, you leave the organization? (laughs) I mean, you segued right into the question, so let's. (laughs) Let's do it, brother.
0: Oh, man. So, you know, being the crazy person that I am, I mm-hmm. had issues. I really thought, like, I believed everything they said verbatim. I was a very literal person. Okay. Even today, I, I become a very literal person. So I left because they promised me some things by the time I was 30. And when I was 30 and I didn't have those things, I started doing some research. And that's when I looked deeper into the organization and realized that, yeah, they, this is all bullshit. Like it's it's made up. It's it's a it's it's crazy.
1: That's that's a fair thing. I mean, you know, you're you're waiting for something your whole life. Somebody says, "Hey, by the time you're thirty, you're gonna have this and that." Let's let's just call it this and that.
0: You know, what? you know what, man? Forget it. Fuck it. Let's just, just yeah. So when I was a kid, <laughs> oh, you're gonna do it. All right, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll you know do what? it. Yeah. story. But when I was a kid, uh, I was promised by my district overseer. That I would have a panda by the time I was 30, that the paradise would be here and I'd have a panda. So that's what I stuck with. From a kid up into my 30s, I was like, you know what? I'm going to have a pet panda. It's going to be all, all of this is going to be worth it. Like all the, the, the lies and the missteps, like you said, the qualifiers. So, by the time, you know, right around my 30th birthday, I was 29 years old, and it just didn't seem like anything was changing. Like everything that they were talking about, it was always like, well, you know, it's, it's around the corner. Like, this, you know, the new saying nowadays is, you know, we're in the last days of the last days of the last days. Yeah. So yeah. Back then, it was just like, you know, just, just hold on, it's, it's coming around the corner. But around 29, I'm like, it doesn't look like the world's going to be over with by, you know, next year. On my 30th birthday, I had a, my first birthday party. Then I started researching, and I'm like, I don't think the paradise is going to be here. I'm not going to have my pet panda. By my 31st birthday, I was just like, you know what? I don't have my panda yet. I'm done. And I left. I was like, stop going. Uh, My 31st birthday was the first time I did not go to the convention. Like that year was the first convention I had never went to. And then the 32nd birthday was the first time I didn't go to the memorial, and then that's when I just started. I faded away. I didn't get this fellowship. I just became an So, I left the organization because I didn't have a panda by my 30th birthday. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you know, like, I know you... I'm
1: glad you said this because I want other people out there to know. It sounds crazy, right? But it's not that crazy. I've met ex shows witnesses that are like, I really thought I was never going to age. Yeah. There's no difference. Like, they thought they were never going to get old. They thought they were going to stay young. And they didn't. And and they grew older. And then...
0: But that, just imagine being in therapy and you tell your therapist the story and your therapist burst out laughing. Like, so you left because you didn't have a panda by 30. Didn't you see how silly it is? Right. I believe it Santa Claus <laughs> at 35 years old. What about you, man? Like what made you leave?
1: For me, it all started with problems I was having with my ex, my first wife. We got married and we always had problems. So she ended up cheating on me, which to this day like, I look back and I go, you know what? What other recourse does she have? I stayed in the organization and I just started doing the stuff that I always used to do, like party a lot. <laughs> go to go to clubs with other educational witnesses. And I ended up fornicating. When I was done and I woke up in the morning, I sat at the edge of the bed. I realized I felt no guilt. Like, I felt nothing. I felt, I deserve this. And then that made me think, hold up. I've been a Jehovah's Witness all my life, and I've known people who got this fellowship. I'm supposed to feel guilt, but I don't feel guilty. And I wanted to explore that feeling. And I knew that the only way I could figure that out is to distance myself from the organization and then stop going to meetings and basically live like a double life for a minute because I had Jehovah's Witness friends, but then I was just doing whatever I wanted. I was having sex with people, doing my thing. And then one day... A very good friend. I told her the story, and she basically said, "The organization is like Big Brother." That's it. That's all she said. And in that moment, I had a flash. You ever get? You know when you get punched, you see that white light.
0: Yeah. That's
1: what happened. It was like poof, and I and I like. Like, it basically knocked me down to, my, to the seat. I, I, I sat down, and I was like, what the hell? And I, all those, like I told you about those doubts, they just came in a flash, like poof, poof, all of them. You know how they say your life, uh, life flashes before your eyes? Well, my Jehovah's yeah. Witness, life flashed before my eyes. And I lifted my head, and I was like, it is like, big brother. And at that moment, it was over. It was done. I came to a realization of something that I knew deep down inside, that this was not the truth.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, it's funny you talk about that with being married, because I think a lot of people that got married that young were the same way. I mean, when I got married, I was 20. My ex was 19. But we got married because we had messed up. We got this fellowship. Um, That's a long story. But when we got this fellowship, we thought that was the next step was we were supposed to get married. And, you know, when things started going south, like for me and I, I talk about it openly, like I was diagnosed with bipolar when I was 26, 27, and it was like, I didn't know myself at 20 years old, you know, and then things started happening. Like you realize the person that you married, wasn't the person that you knew, this isn't something that'll be last forever. And, you know, she got into a situation that, you know, none of us was prepared for. So by the time, you know, you're 30 and 30, you know, 30, 31, I stopped going when I stopped going and I stopped having that foundation to hold me down I went crazy because you figure like it's a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses. I look at Jehovah's Witnesses now, especially ex-Jehovah's Witnesses. Like three things could happen: you could they hold you down like a spring, and when they let that spring go, you can either bounce all around the room, or they let it go and the spring has no more kick to it; that it's just dangling and it has no more pep. Or you, you're, you're normal. I know a lot of ex-Jehovah's Witnesses that experiences are different than mine, where they're normal now. Like my ex is one of those people. My ex became a very functional member of society with no doubts. And, you know, her and I are good friends to this day. But for me, th- losing that faith really messed with me.
1: I'm going to ask you, what do you think of the Watchtower? But then also, what do you think about active Jehovah's Witnesses? What do you think about them now, after growing up, after growing uh, up a Jehovah's Witness?
0: I, I look at Jehovah's Witnesses as any other organization, any other business any other like i mean you can look at it and say some people look at it as a cult and sometimes i can see how you would think it's a cult but it's like anything like i mean if you work for i did, do you know if you work for coca-cola and they catch you drinking a pepsi they'll fire you like it's just it's is that a like,
1: conspiracy theory joe or you know, is that, that?
0: <laughs> Like if you if you look it up, look it up. There was a there was a story. Maybe this is a conspiracy theory, but I remember a story of a man that was like somebody took a picture of him in a Pepsi or in a Coke uh truck drinking a Pepsi and he got fired.
1: Well, I okay, that I understand. I mean you're in a fucking Coke dr- truck. Um I get that. Okay. But
0: that, that mean, but that's like any organization. If you're a Jehovah's Witness and you're caught leaving a church then you're in trouble. Like, I I remember the conspiracy at my congregation when uh, Waiting to Exhale came out, and it was a bunch of brothers that took their wives to see this movie. Somebody saw them leaving this rated R movie, and it was like three or four ministerial servants and elders that got deleted because of that. And it's, you know, that doesn't make any sense. It's just a movie, but they stumbled someone. That's just that'll happen in any organization like my I, the bank I work for right now or the credit union I work for right now. If I bank at another or another credit union, especially one of their competitors, they'll ask me why. Like that's not for me to say that competitor's name. That's any organization. So when I look at Watchtower now and I look at Jehovah's Witnesses now, it's like any, every organization has group bank. And it's like, you know, we want you to look at if you're in our organization, you need to treat it as if our organization is the best thing because it's selling points. So Um, what
1: you're saying is Coca-Cola is a cult.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Everything's a cult, man. Everything.
1: I I have similar thoughts. I have similar feelings. I I know a lot of the listeners right now will probably have diverse thoughts on this. They're like, they're definitely a cult. I'm not afraid to call them a cult. But there's a lot of things that are cults. I mean, you know, some people say religion is basically what size is your cult and how long it's been around. Just like you, I think that there are a lot of things that influence us even culture and society influence us i would say the Jehovah's witnesses aren't the worst they are bad they do a lot of damage but they're not the worst so yes it joe's witnesses are a high control group i like that word better i do use cult though uh, but is it the only one no is it the worst one no the members i think a lot of people have good intentions a lot of people will argue well they're in an organization that allows this and this and that and that and they're all for that and, and i'm like well how is that any different than somebody that is like oh i love america but america goes and bombs a shit of, exactly. uh, out of innocent people sometimes exactly. nothing is you know like oh I, I hate walmart but then they're smoking a cigarette like it, it just drives me crazy i'm like yeah, okay yeah. like like nobody's hands are completely clean. You can go into a Catholic church and you probably have a bunch of people that are good citizens that are trying they're supporting a church that does did all these horrible things, but in their minds, they're trying to do the right thing and there's other people in there that are fucking horrible people that take advantage of 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 their positions, maybe uh-huh. even even priests that take advantage of their positions and 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 do harm. There's good what we call good and bad. Um, the sub the subjective good and bad there's that everywhere
0: but I think for a lot of people, especially ex jehovah's witnesses, their anger comes from the fact that they taught us that they were different right like they, they, and that's and they preach that so hard that we're not like the world and then when you leave and you find out just how much like the world they are, you get bitter like you get scorned, you get upset like I mean you you have every right to be upset and that's what I think a lot of the anger comes from is people are saying, well, you know, they're so bad. It's not that they're just like everyone else. It's that, that they preach to us so bad that they weren't like everyone else. And th- I think that's where the anger comes from.
1: Oh, man, this has been awesome. Thank you for the conversation. I guess we'll see what other topics we come up with to discuss. I like- and
0: I'm looking forward to having other people, man. Like, I oh, want to yeah. know, you know, like, know why people do what they do now. Like, that's that's what I'm interested in. So yep. yeah, we want to we want different people. We don't want everybody the same because that's what paradise was supposed to be. And paradise would have stopped.
1: I have friends that are ex-Jehovah's witnesses that grew up ex-Jehovah's witnesses but have nothing to do with the ex-Jehovah's community online. And yeah. you know if they want to talk about that, I want to I want to hear it. I I want to I want to do something a little bit different than what's usually done.
0: I got a couple of friends like that that now they're like, you know, I left, I'm over it and they're on to other things.
1: Other, onto other things What other things What have you done he, Tell us And then that will encourage Other people As well They'll be like Oh shit
0: You know you Remember originally We were gonna name this Now what Now
1: you know what, what? Yeah but, but then somebody was like Man Nobody asked, nobody to asked you asked do to do this
0: Stupid Ruben <laughs> Stupid Ruben In the stupid podcast Nobody asked <laughs> You're right Nobody asked him To do this at all
1: Nobody asked us to do this But here we are Alright brother thanks for your time and Man, we'll thanks see-
0: for having me can't wait to the next time
1: all right and to everyone listening have a good evening good night good morning whenever you're listening this show Man,
0: stay safe out there wear your mask
1: wear your masks don't wear the same gloves all day long
0: don't eat with the gloves on don't you pick
1: know? your nose <laughs> have a good one <laughs> take
0: it easy all right brother